the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Situation Report today. This is the show where we do our very best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stoniker. I am your host today. And there are so many areas in which culture is changing. We talk about that a lot on this show. I don't think I need to convince you of that fact. Culture is changing. Not all change is bad. There are some good changes, but a lot of the change around us is change we would like to stop if we could stop it. And so we talk about having the right information. We need good information, having the right perspectives so that we can navigate the cultural changes. As we look at the changes in culture, there are so many areas in which we can take action and we can see a tangible result. Because of this, if we do this, then we can expect that. We like to have to have those conversations. We like to talk about that. And uh, I'm thankful for the areas that we can make a decision, take an action, and see something change. There are a lot of ways that culture is changing, however, because people outside of our control, outside of even our ability to elect or unelect, <laughs> are pushing agendas that have a direct impact on us, but that we have a hard time pushing back against. There are institutions, there are individuals, there are organizations that are pushing global agendas, global ideas, um, ideas and agendas related to our environment, things that impact us but that we have very little control over. And today we ask the question of our guest, uh, what do we do (laughs) when we understand who these people are, when we understand what's happening? How do we push back? What do we do? What should our response be? And thankfully, we have a great uh, conversation, a great guest on with us today that helps us to understand uh, this and so much more. We're going to jump into that. Before we get there, though, uh, I do want to just point out, and maybe you've already noticed this, I've talked about this before, that our economy is not getting any better. In fact, we'll discuss this a little bit today in the show, too. Uh, In a lot of ways, it's getting worse. Even though our president may say it's not getting worse, we can look at the numbers. We can go to the grocery store and see how expensive things are. We know that our economy is not getting better. And even talking to economists on this show and elsewhere, uh, the future of our economy is uncertain. That uncertainty then should cause us to want to do something. What do we do? Well, I think we can look at the world, again, talking about what we can control and what we can't. Uh, but we should be very interested in our own personal economy. How can I control the economy of my home? How can I prepare for the future in my home? There are a lot of ways to do this. One of them is to add physical gold and silver to your retirement accounts, your investment accounts, and I hope that you are doing that. Uh, Where do we find the information about the best way to do that? If you're interested in learning more, and I think you should, you need to call Lear Capital today for your free Precious Metals Investor Guide. You can also ask about Lear Advantage IRA. That lets you transfer or roll over your old 401k or IRA into a gold and silver tax advantage IRA. Plus, Lear, among other things, is offering free shipping and up to $15,000 in bonus gold or silver with a qualified purchase. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Call for details at 800-489-6450. Lear Capital is the most rated precious metals company on consumer affairs 
with a near-perfect rating on Trustpilot. Call them at 800-489-6450, 800-489-6450. Call that number, get their free kit. You will see how gold has performed during precious uh, during periods of inflation, government debt, interest rate hikes, economic crashes, even wars, and all of those. Gold has been a financial bedrock. Please check them out. You can call that number, 800-489-6450. If you don't want to call, you can simply click the link that is below in our show notes and the show description. And uh, I think the very least, you should investigate what Lear has to offer and see if that is right for you. We now get to our interview with Natalie Winters. My guest today is Natalie Winters. Natalie is an investigative reporter from National Pulse, also a podcast host, and a lot of other things we're going to learn about today. Natalie, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, ma'am. Let's start with, um, I've got some specific questions, and you've written about so many very interesting things. We're going to talk about the green energy movement and uh, some other things we'll get to. But before we get there, for those that don't know you, give us your background. How does one get into the work that you're doing? (laughs) And uh, when I hear investigative reporter, I have some very specific images in mind. Uh, How how do you get into this field? How did this uh, come about in your life? Sure. Well, it's sad because when most people hear journalists, they think of partisan hacks, the people you see on CNN, MSNBC. I didn't want to say that, but that was the image. Yes, that is the image. (laughs) No, I believe it pains me when people ask me what I do and I say, oh, well, I'm a journalist and investigative reporter. And their immediate reaction is to balk and like, oh, you must be the the worst kind of people. And I understand (laughs) why people have these connotations uh, with, you know, journalists and the type of work that they're engaged in, because most people don't actually report the news. They push an agenda, whether it's a green energy agenda, an agenda that the Chinese Communist Party is very favorable towards, uh, really socialism at its core. Uh, the abolition of private property, especially amidst COVID-19, we've seen that happen. So I sort of seek and strive to be a journalist in the definitional sense in that I report the news, um, yeah. primarily the stories that mainstream outlets forego covering um, because oftentimes they have conflicts of interest with the subjects or subject matter um, themselves. So a perfect example on how I really built my, I would say, early reporting and early career had to do with Chinese Communist Party infiltration in the United States and academia, media, uh, really all the way up to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, all the yeah. way to Joe Biden and his son. I broke a lot of stories from Hunter Biden's hard drive and the like and the origins of COVID-19. And really what piqued my interest, which was what you were talking about with the green energy movement, um, is that it bears the hallmarks of, I would say, a quote unquote social issue Um, that the left is really seeking to exploit in terms of it's not actually about green energy and solving the alleged problem that is climate change. It's about control. It's about power. And it's about the elites, whether all the way out in Davos and the World Economic Forum or up on the Hill in Washington, D.C., getting to dictate how you live your life um, instead of, you know, individual agency and the ability to actually make decisions for yourself. How did you develop your worldview that would come to the conclusions you've come to? Is Was that you brought this worldview in because of your parents, because of your background, because of, you know, something else? Or was it investigating, learning, and understanding helped to develop your, your worldview? Maybe it was a combination of both. 
yeah, it's definitely a combination. I would say the reporting that I've done has only made me deeper and stronger in my convictions and in my worldview. But yeah. I think to me, the most interesting part, I'm certainly an anomaly. I'm a, I don't know which generation I'm a part of, Generation Z, whatever it is. You know, right. I'm a young female. I'm actually from right. Los Angeles. So right. in terms of the archetype of what my politics should be, I, I don't really fit that that mold or that design so through that you know you always have to really educate yourself when you kind of go against the grain um but i i think that it's not even really a, a political worldview that i have in the sense that it, it's more just i see the world oriented and that you have the ruling class uh people epitomized by the world economic forum the biden family people who are really corrupt and get away with it and then the rest of us um, who have to suffer at the hands of these people, the tyrants like yeah. Fauci who issue mask decrees even when the science isn't there. And I think recent events, and you've seen it in the shifts in polling, people have become more conservative, I think more sort of cognizant of, of the corruption that is plaguing the Democratic Party, but amidst COVID-19, because I think that was a scary dose of what unchecked government power can yep. do to your everyday life. So I would say just, you know, looking around and, and seeing the reality outside my window um, made me have the, the worldview that, that I do. Um, so I'm here in California as well. I uh, grew up here. Sorry. I spent my life here. I raised <laughs> my family here. Yeah. So um, this is my, this is where I'm from and I'm happy to live here, but the politics of the state are insane. Um, I look at things like the, the green energy movement and in California, you can't not see it. Uh, ironically, a couple of weeks ago, our governor said that by 2030, we would all be driving electric cars. And within a couple of days, he then came out and said, please don't charge your electric car. We don't have the power grid to support it. So uh, super interesting to watch. Um, you mentioned that the goal or one of the goals of the green uh, energy movement um, or the green movement is is control, it's power. I agree with that. I just struggle with it as someone who understands that this will not only impact us living here, but it will have to impact those who are leading our state. What is the what is the bigger goal? I mean, what does that mean when you say power and control? What ultimately are people like Gavin Newsom and people in the Democratic Party here in California and certainly across the country, um, what are they specifically trying to get a hold of? What are they trying to do? Sure. Well, taking off my, my journalist cap and just kind of telling my life experience as a former yeah. California resident, now a, a Florida refugee. Everyone's um, in Florida now. <laughs> I, I feel like everyone I'm talking to is yes. in Florida. I've been invited there many, many times in the last week. <laughs> yes, I, I recently moved here. It was the best decision I ever made. I was actually moving here from Chicago, so I would argue that wow. Chicago is actually even worse than L.A. But yeah. I think to me the reason why the green energy movement is so scary is because the left in green energy, you have to, I think, contextualize it in the broader sort of social justice agenda of the left, right? And I think that so many of the goals that they seek to achieve when it comes to social justice, equity, equality, whatever these buzzwords mean, are very abstract in the sense that, you know, what really is equity, right? These people throw around right. these big words, it doesn't really mean right. anything, oh, we need to, you know, use activism to make society more just and more equitable. That's not really quantifiable. But I think the green energy push is particularly scary because they're sort of cross applying this framework of like abstract, we need equity and justice and equality and fairness to something that is very tangible and affects yeah. our everyday lives. And that 
I think that story that you pointed out about Gavin Newsom is a perfect example, right? They can have these lofty, unrealistic ambitions of California is just going to go green by 2030. We have no studies to prove it, no resources to actually (laughs) do it, but we're just going to say it because every other social policy that we push, right? If it's like, oh, we want young boys to be able to become girls. We're just going to say it. We're just going to do it. Yeah, right. That doesn't actually require anything. But then two days later, right, they realized actually this policy doesn't work because we don't have enough energy, so please yeah. don't charge your car. So it's yeah. an example of the failures of the Democratic Party in terms of understanding the real world. Um, but I think when you get into the more controlling your life aspect, and this has to do with the recent story that I put up, is how the green energy push is actually causing shortages of certain elements that are yeah. really critical to food supply and, and fertilizer usage. My pillow is having their biggest sheet sale of the year. You all have helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO, wants to give back exclusively to his listeners. The Percale and Giza Dream bed sheet sets are available in a variety of colors and sizes, and they are all on sale for as low as $29.98 with our listener promo code. Order now, because when they're gone, they're gone. The Percale and Giza Dream sheets are breathable and have a cool, crisp feel. They come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. There's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-870-0283. Use the promo code SITREP or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code SITREP. Can you talk about that? We have uh, recently had a few different shows dealing with the supply chain issues and you know, a lot of the just trying to understand what we're dealing with. Um, talk about that article that you just wrote on fertilizer and how that's impacting locally and more globally and how it will continue to do that. Sure. Well, I was really, you know, piqued in terms of being a journalist, my interest as to what was causing these food shortages and supply chain issues. Um, and there's, of course, a whole you know litany of reasons causing that. But I was particularly intrigued by this study that I found from uh, researchers at the University College London Um, which actually documented how really the desulfurization of burning fossil fuels. So that's how they sort of purify the process of actually burning fossil fuels like coal. Um, It results in the byproduct of sulfuric acid. And sulfuric acid is really, really important for phosphorus fertilizers, which are, of course, the primary source a primary type of fertilizer used in you know modern times when it comes to growing food on, on large scale farms. Mm. So they've done the studies, they've done the calculations. People much smarter than myself. <laughs> um, these are you know all esteemed scientists in the field, and they've actually found that there's a deficit um, currently, but really an impending deficit of hundreds of millions of tons of this element. Um, which, as I said, is a really critical component for fertilizers. So they sort of extrapolated the data out and saw that it would primarily affect food supply chains. And also this element, just on a side note, it's very relevant and important for lithium-ion batteries, which when you consider that in the context of what's going on with you know China and Taiwan and just certain other energy sources and chips being threatened, it's it's very interesting to see how the green energy uh, push, which as we've documented or just we're talking about, is not harmless. It has many tangible yeah. harms. Um, is really just exacerbating sort of the the status quo problems that we already have. 
Who are the leaders in this movement, people that we need to look at and understand and, and really listen to so that we can understand them? Leaders of the green energy movement? Of the or green energy movement. Who's pushing sure. things like this? Yes. Well, I think it's it's a difficult question to answer um, because it, it's nebulous by design, right? The, the left has control of so many institutions, right. so they have a whole you know, kind of process how they like, for, for example, we just put out a recent story about how in the span of like one week, every mainstream media outlet started pushing this story about how human urine was a solid alternative for fertilizer usage, which is disgusting <laughs> and is, you know, worse than eating, eating bugs, right. uh, which they also want us to do. Sure. But that was like a perfect example, like story aside, how in lockstep, the mainstream media gets together to push an agenda but then the yep. question, of course, comes uh, becomes where does that agenda come from, and who is coordinating I don't that? Think, right. I don't think yeah. you know anyone really knows. My best answer to that is I think people who, if you go, work to go to Davos and look at the people who walk across the stages, those are the people who are pushing it. I think one name that is thrown around a lot, but I think val for valid reason is someone like Bill Gates, and I, I only bring him up because, in his own words. You know, he's talked about wanting to get the United States to wean us off of eating any form of actual animal meat and have us eating an entirely plant-based diet. And I think that setting that aside for a second, that statement in and of itself shows that people want to use the food supply as a means to serve a political end, right? And that the, the sort of foods that we consume as Americans, right. there are now like political ramifications associated with that. So I think... That is the sort of interesting new trend that you see propagated by people like Bill Gates, where there's some just some push to to get Americans, really the West entirely, away from beef, dairy, more traditional yeah. items. And you see this in Bill Gates buying up a ton of farmland. I think yeah, that's right. probably the best evidence there is. So when you when you talk about that, and this is why I like to ask the question, who should we be watching and, and who's who's controlling this? In order for a conspiracy to happen, there has to be some place that people get together and discuss their agenda, their goal, and they work on that together. I think people like Bill Gates are a great example. Um, as you mentioned, buying up farmland, which he can control. One of the problems with people like Bill Gates is we can't vote them into or out of office. And so our uh, ability to moderate what they're doing is, is very, very difficult. But as Americans, I, I think not just in the United States is this a problem, but as Americans, what can people do when you're looking at the Davos crowd, when you're looking at the Bill Gates of the world and and uh, so many others, billionaires, corporations, um, organizations that don't have the best interest of us in mind, but aren't regulated through normal political processes. What do we do to push back on this? Uh, I mean, you clearly are presenting information and evidence that people can respond to. But but what's the response? I mean, what do you what do you hope will happen on the other side of writing an article and reporting on these things and talking about this? Well, I think the most important part is, is educating yourself. And I know that sounds so cliche, but I think educating yourself to the point where you understand how all of these all of these issues intertwine and sort of work to form a, a broader agenda, right? If you can see it, like, for example, in the United Nations 2030 plan, they really love the year 2030. China has their 2030 plan too. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's a little colored wheel and they have certain components of it with different aspects. Some is climate, some is health, some is equality, equity, whatever that means. 
Um, so I think just understanding that, you know, it's not just climate change, because if we just focus on climate change, then they're advancing, you know, this policy when it comes to voting rights and right. this policy when it comes right. to COVID-19. So understanding that it's all sort of a broader agenda. And I think just educating yourself and sharing the articles and understanding that these people that we're talking about, maybe not so much Bill Gates, I'm sure he's used to criticism, but sort of the lesser known names, the people who really, I think, are probably pushing the wheel um, behind a lot of these organizations like the World Economic Forums or these right. radical, even low level staffers at the Biden White House, calling those people out, which is what we focus on at the National Pulse, you know, bringing attention to people who the mainstream media certainly, but even other you know, smaller alternative media outlets certainly won't give the light of day to because these people aren't used to getting criticized. These people aren't used to having their agendas called out. So we've actually found a lot of times we've exposed very radical, like old past tweets from people who are currently working in the White House, people who worked at mainstream media outlets, and they delete their entire Twitter account in you know one second. They right. go silent. They go right. dark. So these people aren't used to criticism. Um, and of course, keep it you know nice. Don't you know antagonize these people, but you can sort of you know wage information warfare in your own way. Um, and just understand that these people aren't used to the levels of criticism and, and yeah. pushback that you, people like you and I are who work in the media. Right. So, <laughs> you know, sharing stories on Twitter really does actually mean something to these people because they're not used to seeing their names in the press because mm. their names are never in the press. Yeah, it's interesting when you're dealing with people who have for their entire lives built a, a um a persona that is behind the scenes. People don't know their names. You know, you and I talk about who's who's pulling the strings, who's pushing this agenda, and we don't always know their names. When you do figure out who that is and you bring them into the light, uh, that's not where they want to be, and that's why they've been working behind the scenes for so long. Um, when we look at whether it's the Green New Deal, the green energy deals, and the conversations about global emissions, all these things that we talk about, um, that comes back to a globalist agenda, and it's really rooted, I think, in, in communism. Ultimately, it's this, this communist ideal. Um, the last meeting of the World Economic Forum and Davos, uh, there was a lot of discussion. I've read several articles and talked about on this show, a lot of discussion about how many of the agenda items from the last several years have been proven to fail. I think COVID even pushed some of their agenda items beyond the ability for them to even see what they had hoped, the results that they were they were working on. Um, communism doesn't work. We know that. It's not going to work on a global scale unless everyone gets on board, which is not going to happen. Um, is Are we at a place of critical mass in relationship to many of these discussions, whether it's green energy, um, control of our lives, COVID-19, vaccine mandates, all of this stuff have we finally come to a place where we're at a place of critical mass where people are going, no, enough is enough. We're not participating anymore. We're not playing anymore. We're not going to let you have these conversations behind our back anymore. Um, I could sum it up this way. Is globalism dying or are we just in the next iteration and, and there's more to, to fight on? That was a lot of words, um, but if you can get something out of that, uh, hopefully sure. you understand what I'm saying. Are we at a place where people have finally opened their eyes to what's happening and said, no, we're not going to take that? Well, I think the answer to that question is complex, but I think I like the to issue ask is, complex questions, <laughs> which is good. Most interviews that I do, I'm like, you know, half asleep. But the I think the issue is for the globalists is that their policies are actually being implemented right now, and right. they're not doing too well because right, right, 
they weren't designed to really ever be implemented, right? Like the Communist Manifesto, it was better in the book than it was in practice. Right. Um, right. So I think that's the issue. But I think the the bigger question is, I don't think that the globalists care because they weren't implementing these policies because they thought it was going to help everyone, right? They weren't using some utilitarian mm. calculus when yeah. they were figuring yeah. out the sort of agendas they want to set. So I think the question is, is not, are their policies, you know, working? Are they helping people? No, obviously not. They're getting wealthy, right? Bill Gates's bank account is ballooning, but everyone else's isn't. Yeah. Um, but I think that the bigger question is, you know, that's not the variable for what dictates the agenda of bodies mm. like the World Economic yeah. Forum. It's not how their policies are actually performing. It's how they themselves are performing. So I think they're doing pretty hot. They're doing pretty well right yeah. now. COVID-19 was like the best thing that ever happened to them. Right. Um, so I think in, in that sense, globalism in practice is dead. It has been for a long time, right? Most people don't support open borders and most people right. love their country and are patriots and hopefully nationalists at heart. Um, but I don't really think the, the globalists, as you said, they aren't elected officials. So it doesn't really matter. Their power is derived from their wealth and their control of institutions, um, which there's no easy way to, you know, get a recall like you did on Newsom for just the entire existence of the World yeah, Economic right. Forum sure. and Klaus yeah, Schwab. Sure. So who knows, I think is the answer. Um, but we should always have hope. Yeah, one of the things I think we've done well as Americans historically is we've just kind of said we don't care what they're doing over there. We've been pretty good about that. I mean, we were born out of that, and historically we've done pretty well with that. And now we're at a place where we have an administration, we have politicians, we have systems in place um, that are dragging us into that. And I, honestly, I, I, my personal opinion is that one of the reasons that Donald Trump was pushed aback, pushed back so strongly and they're trying to silence him is because he didn't want to uh, drag America into kind of the globalist agenda. And he pushed back on that. Um, so that's happening. They don't care. I agree with you. What can we do as Americans to get back to the place where we can say, go ahead and do that there. That's fine. But we're not going to participate in that. How do we get back as a country to a place of understanding what America is and being proud of our country and pursuing the ideals um, on which we were established. I agree. Hope is very important. We have to maintain hope. I have hope. Um, but that hope has to have action associated with it and tied to it. What is the action that average Americans should be engaging in right now? Sure. Well, without going on a you know long ramble about how I think it all starts in the schools and indoctrination and, you know, everyone's heard yep. the spiel. Yep. Um, I think the tangible answer to this, like when you actually get into the real world is that we need a Republican party that's actually willing to take on these issues. Right. And is not you know, right. half MAGA type Republicans and half Liz Cheney type Republicans. So I think the answer to <laughs> right. that is not just voting and voting, you know, properly. Um, but really, you know, volunteering and working for Republican candidates that you see as epitomizing the sort of America first agenda um, that we need the Republican Party to have. Um, I, I think that's probably the most tangible thing to actually effectuate any change, um, because at the end of the day, it's Congress that has the power 
and of course the president too, but at least coming up with the midterms, um, you know, to actually, for instance, there was a bill just introduced to withdraw all U.S. taxpayer funding to the World Economic Forum. Of course, Trump tried to do that um, with the World Health Organization. Right. Um, I say do it with the U.N. Um, yeah. But I think we need people who are actually want to use, you know, the the power of the purse to actually go after these groups and not just kind of sit passively um, and go to Davos and hang out and party. Yeah, no, it's good. Um, and and I, I definitely agree that information is so powerful and a lot of folks just don't know and haven't known. And I do feel like people are waking up. They're trying to understand. They want to know. They don't always know where to go for that. Uh, the National Pulse is one of those places. Can you talk about what happens there, what you write about, what you report on, and uh, even your podcast? Some some great information, and it's very accessible to people, which is something that a lot of things aren't. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Because that is very, very powerful and helps people know how they should vote, how they should think, how they should look at what's happening in the world. Yeah, well, if you just go to the nationalpulse.com, you can read all of our articles. We publish a couple pieces a day. I focus primarily on doing exclusive reports, um, like I said, into the Chinese Communist Party and how they yeah. infiltrate the United States, uh, but also this sort of, I would say, the agenda that emanates out of Davos that we see going on here, which, of course, is in partnership and allyship with the Chinese Communist Party and a lot yeah. of not just Democrats, but establishment Republicans up on Capitol Hill. So it's kind of the, you know, evil uh, triple threat. Um, people I don't want to be anywhere near, right. so I love Florida. Um, but that's what we focus on primarily. Um, and we also, you know, speaking of how you can get involved, um, we have a whole entire Discord community of people who support our work, um, but also give us tips on stories on what's happening in their local that's communities, good. their local schools. Um, and people just connect, and it's nice to share the news and get different perspectives. Um, my my editor, Raheem Kassam, um, he and I both used to be on Steve Bannon's War Room. We jump in the chat every now and then to talk with you guys and sort of understand what's going on. Um, so it really is a community in that sense. Um, but we publish, like I said, a lot of exposés and exclusive reports. Every now and then we do opinion commentary, but I think the right has enough um, bad opinions. There's a lot of that, yes. You know, I won't, I won't add another one. So I like yeah. to focus on fact-based uh, reporting. <laughs> That's awesome. Natalie, where can people follow you uh, apart from National Pulse? Where can they follow the work that you do? I am at Natalie G. Winters on basically all social media platforms, even though I hate basically all of them. Um, but that <laughs> You're on all I of them, though. I'm a contributor on the Mark Stein Show on GB News, so you can see me there usually every Tuesday. That's great. Natalie Winters, thank you so much. Really appreciate your, uh, your you. time and your insight. Have a good one. Many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. We've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. 
Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Appreciate Natalie coming on the show and uh, sharing with us the work that she is doing. Um, it's so important for us to have people like Natalie on for a lot of reasons. One, her perspectives, of course, her insight, her understanding of these issues, and prescribing a path. What can we do about this? Uh, but beyond that, and this is one of the reasons I, I love to talk to people like Natalie, those who are doing investigative reporting and are sincere about that, actually reporting what's actually happening. On this show, I say this all the time, one of our goals is to get the information and perspectives we need to navigate an ever-changing culture. Uh, I can talk, we have guests on all of the time, but it's important for us to bring people like Natalie on, who can talk about her own work, the work that she's doing at National Pulse, the podcast that uh, she co-hosts there, all in an attempt to provide us with the information we need. So often we desire to do something, we desire to respond to what's happening in the world, but we don't really understand it. We need people who are truth tellers. We need people who are investigators. We need people who can gather the information, bring that together, and help us to understand what is happening in an actionable way. Natalie is one of the people doing that. Uh, please go and check out her work. You can follow her on social media, of course. She mentioned that. Go to National Pulse. So much incredible information there. Their podcast as well, the community that she mentioned. All of that is there. If you listen to this show and you don't understand fundamentally how powerful and important the right information is for making good decisions, um, let me implore you. <laughs> Start understanding how important good information is. That's where we start. Uh, there are a lot of editorials, a lot of commentary, a lot of people explaining to you what they think about what's happening. That's fine. But we need to get to the core. We need to get to the root. We need to understand what is actually going on. And uh, it's conversations like this that allow us to do that. If you're listening to this podcast and have not yet subscribed, please do that now. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, probably the one you're listening on right now. Go ahead and subscribe. That would be fantastic. And then take some time, go over to YouTube, search for our channel, The Situation Report. You can find us there. You're on YouTube all of the time. Anyhow, take a second, search for The Situation Report. You'll find us. Subscribe, hit that notification bell, and leave us a comment. Uh, we always encourage folks to go over there and check that out for one very simple reason. That is a great place for you not only to get this content, to watch the videos, uh, but to interact. You can leave us comments. You can let us know what you think. You can share the content out really easily from there. 
And again, you're there anyhow. So go ahead and check us out. Follow us there. That would be fantastic. You can also follow us on our social medias. Look for our social medias on social media. You know what I mean. <laughs> Go over to social media, whatever you like, and uh, search for The Situation Report. You'll find us there as well. And uh, we'd love to connect with you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we look forward to talking to you next time. Many of you know that my day job is working for an organization called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. I've had the opportunity to work with the Mighty Oaks Foundation for a little over 10 years now and very grateful for that opportunity. I served in the United States Marine Corps and left in 2003. When I came back from Iraq and got out of the Marine Corps, I transitioned and had some of the same struggles that many of our veterans today have. Uh, That transition time can be very, very difficult. I moved on with the help and support of my family and others in my close-knit community and really, in many ways, tried to walk away from my service. It was too hard, too difficult for me to look back, to remember, to stay connected, and so I chose not to. About 10 years after I walked away, I was reconnected with many of the men that I had served with in Iraq and even before that Iraq deployment and came to understand that so many of the men that I served with did not do well. I came home and I struggled, but I had a family around me and I had a community around me that helped me to get back on my feet and continue moving forward. So many of those that I had served with, however, did not have the same opportunity. They came home and didn't have that family around them, that community that could lift them up. And so they made some decisions, decisions that we talk about often in the veteran community. I was reminded about 10 years after my service that some of the men that I served with in Iraq came home and struggled and decided that it would be best for them to end their lives. Others who had not taken their lives, but who had struggled from one relationship to the next, from one job to another, and had never really gotten back on their feet. I learned after 10 years that walking away from my military service was not really an option. (laughs) You see, we think we can hang our uniform in the closet for the last time and walk away, but our obligation to those that we served with remains. It was at that time that I had the opportunity to get connected to the Mighty Oaks Foundation. It was just getting started. I met our founder, Chad Robichaux. And together we began to work on what is today a national nonprofit serving veterans, active duty service members, and more and more the first responders in our community. That's what we do. You see, Chad served in the Marine Corps as well, and both of us have an understanding, and so many of the folks, many, many folks that work with us now who served in the military and in the first responder community understand that we may get out, we may hang the uniform up, but we still have an obligation to care for those who have served or are serving. That's exactly what we do at the Mighty Oaks Foundation every single day. We run programs across the country for those who have served, veterans, or are serving, active duty service members, those who are serving in their community as first responders, police officers and firefighters, and others in that first responder community. We serve them by helping them to understand that there is life beyond their service, that their identity should be wrapped up in more than a uniform or a job that they've done or are doing, that there is a purpose, that there is a plan. In fact, that God, the creator, has something he intends for them. And that if they'll simply align their lives to the life that he has for them, so much of the trauma, so much of the difficulty, so much of their past, so many of those things that have a hold on them, they may not go away, but they won't maintain the hold and the control. Here's the message we try to convey and communicate. There is hope. And there is a community of people 
found within the Mighty Oaks Foundation that understand where you've been because we've been there. We don't have it all figured out. We're certainly not perfect, but we've taken some steps to move forward and we want to take you with us. That's what we do. How do we do that? Again, by communicating the fact that there is hope, by connecting with others who've been there and know how to move forward, and by getting around you and supporting you as you begin to take those very important steps yourself. The Mighty Oaks Foundation is blessed to have supporters across the country that make it possible for us to do the work that we do at no cost to the veteran, the active duty service member, or the first responder. For you to attend our program, you simply need to set aside five days and come to one of our locations, one of our facilities. We'll do the rest. There will be no cost to you for the program, no cost for the transportation to get you to the program. We do all of the planning and all of the logistics. You simply need to get there. We want to remove every obstacle for you to get the help, the encouragement, the strengthening, <laughs> the hope, the renewal that you need. We're thankful for the opportunity to do that. Perhaps you are not a veteran or a service member. You're not in the first responder community, but you care about those who have served and are serving our communities. Well, you may fall into the other category then. Perhaps you're someone that can support what we do financially to make it possible for those folks to come along. Maybe your support is not financial support, but you know someone in your community, in your town, in your church, uh, in a club or something else that you're a part of that could use this kind of support and encouragement. Plug them in. Let us help them. Let us get them on the road. No cost to them. We want to do the work, but we need you to get them to us. That was a lot of words. If you listen to the show, you know I say a lot of words sometimes. So let me point you to the one place where you can get all your questions answered. MightyOaksPrograms.org is our website. MightyOaksPrograms.org. There you will find more information about what we do as an organization. There's an application for those who would like to apply. Fill that application out. Our team will get back to you. Set everything else up. If you would like to support the work of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, you'll find a place to do that there as well. And there is also a section for resources. So many of you know people who need help but may not start by coming to a program, attending a program, but they would read a book, they would watch a video, they would listen to a testimony. We have those resources there for you as well. So please come and join us at the Mighty Oaks Foundation's website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Our veterans, active duty members, and first responders need our support. Maybe you're in that category. You need our support. And that begins by going to the Mighty Oaks Programs website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.